Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast, another emergency edition of the Peristyle Podcast. On a Monday, not our typical Monday podcast, we talk to Coach Harvey Hyde on Sunday. We talk to Dan Weber on Friday. And of course, crazy, crazy things going on around the USC program on Sunday. So we had to come back with an emergency podcast. Again, today it's going to be a solo podcast with yours truly, Ryan Abraham, publisher of uscfootball.com. Going to talk about everything that's been happening. I was there. I got to see it all unfold in person. So I'll tell you my story and then get to all of your questions and comments. Speaking of those questions and comments, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. You can leave us a voicemail at 641-715-3900, extension 816-646. You could also go to peristylepodcast.com and leave, click on the left side of the page and leave a voicemail there. Of course, iTunes is a great way too to listen to the show. iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. You can leave us some positive feedback. That would be great. You can subscribe with iTunes or on your app, listen in your car while you're jogging, whatever you want to do. Lots of different ways to get to the show. So hopefully you can do that. And uh, we do have a, a ton, a literal ton of questions. So many have come in. Uh, we had a whole bunch. I was going to do a solo podcast just because of the, the loss to Washington. On Thursday, we had, I had plenty of questions just to do that. And then with the events that happened on Sunday, I got a whole bunch more questions in. So I'm not sure how much football stuff from Thursday we're going to get to, but a lot of it's going to have to be about Steve Sarkeesian and this leave of absence. So that's what the focus of the show is. We'll see how long it goes and play some voicemails and answer your questions. And I'll talk about what happened uh, down there at USC on Sunday. And get to all of that. So I'll do as much as I can. Maybe we'll do even another solo podcast. I think we'll have Dan Weber on as well. Um, but just been crazy, uh, I don't know, 12, 14 hours, whatever it's been. Or actually almost 24 hours now uh, since this happened at USC. All right. So let's get into what kind of what happened, what went on yesterday. So Thursday, as you know, uh, USC loses to Washington. Double-digit favorite at home. Lots of outrage. Uh, Dan and I did a show on Friday kind of talking about it. Coach Harvey Hyde and I did a show Sunday morning talking about it. Then I drive into USC. So USC was going to have a practice at 12.30 p.m. Um, excuse me. And let me back up a little bit, too. Friday uh, Friday afternoon, we got on a conference call with Steve Sarkeesian kind of talking about the game and everything that went wrong and all of that. So we got to hear from him. One of the questions was, are you going to meet with your players? Uh, you know, so, you know, soon to kind of talk about what happened. He said there wasn't any, you know, opportunity. They didn't want, they weren't going to do that. They are, the staff's out recruiting and they're going to be a meeting on Sunday morning. So Sunday morning was the first time he was scheduled to meet the players. Yeah. We kind of thought that, you know, maybe it would be a good time to switch things up a little bit and say, Hey, this is unacceptable. Let's, let's have a team meeting or whatever. Uh, but that, that wasn't the case. Uh, two meeting was scheduled for Sunday morning practice scheduled for 1230 PM. The afternoon. It was an open practice, open to the media. So we were going to be able to show up and watch. The only person available to speak was scheduled to be Steve Sarkeesian. So no players. This was going to be a Sark only practice, which happens every once in a while. We can't talk to players or coaches, only Steve Sarkeesian. On the way in, driving in, I start getting some texts about something's going on. There's something up and, uh, you know, about Steve Sarkeesian. I get to practice and notice he's not there. Other reporters, I think had, that were at practice kind of was hearing the same thing. They notice Steve Sarkeesian's not there. And we're not allowed to report anything that happens at practice during practice. We have to wait until the three horns sound, which means practice is over. So we're kind of getting ready, like, hey, what's, you know, there's something crazy going on. So practice ends. Before practice ends, um, Tim Tesalone, who's the sports information director, comes over and tells us that someone, quote unquote, someone would be talking to us after practice because Steve Sarkeesian wasn't there. He couldn't talk. And we'd have to go to the media room. So usually we don't do that on a Sunday. Some people do, but a lot of times people just kind of go home after practice. Uh, but Sunday we were going to open up the media room and we were going to go in there in Heritage Hall and meet with quote unquote somebody. Um, I put up a couple pictures of this, but JK McKay was at practice early on. Um, Rick Carr, who's the head of security that usually hangs around Sark. Uh, he was at practice later on. We saw Pat Hayden come to practice. Um, 
and we saw Steve Lopes, another one of the members of the athletic administration. Um, he came to practice as well. They had kind of huddled and they were talking. So obviously you knew something was up. We were starting hearing the rumors of what it actually was. Um, but we were waiting for some kind of official word from USC. So we all go over to the media room. We're sitting there kind of waiting patiently, tweeting out some stuff, posting some stuff on the message boards of what's going on. Um, you know, we, we had heard a lot of different things and we don't really want to report anything unless we could vet it and make sure that, you know, we knew it was true. But the, the general thing that I was hearing from different people was that Steve Sarkeesian, um, you know, had been drinking or was under the influence of some, some substance and had showed up to the meeting and people, it was obvious. And then it kind of was weird from there, like how it ended up happening. I really don't believe Pat Hayden, who was actually over at the basketball event that was going on at Galen Center at the same time as practice. Um, he had heard about it and had to come over to practice too. So I don't think Pat Hayden really kind of heard about it until during practice later on, even though there was rumbling certainly before practice. So I'm not sure how the timing of all that worked out. Um, but so it was very, obviously it's very strange. And then we come, uh, we finally about 45 minutes later, we, we get put into a room, Pat Hayden and Clay Helton come in. They don't want to take any questions. Um, and so Pat Hayden comes in. He said he, you know, learned about it very quickly. He said he called Steve Sarkeesian, uh, and he felt that he was, it was clear that he wasn't healthy. Quote, he used the word healthy and asked him to take an indefinite leave of absence. Um, Clay Helton would be the interim head coach and Clay Helton talked a little bit. He was talking about the game and no one really, obviously USC Notre Dame's coming up and no one cares about the game because everyone's, you know, worried about what's going on with the head coach. Um, so just crazy. Another in a line of a long line of crazy, crazy off the field, unbelievable scandal type of stories coming out of USC. And, um, people tried to follow up, uh, with Hayden, um, about what was going on about what, you know, what, how did he determine that he wasn't in a condition that could keep coaching? Hayden just said it was apparent to me and then, you know, sent it on over to Clay Helton. So it was, uh, it was a little crazy thing and I'll give you kind of my thoughts and stuff first. Uh, but I want before we jump into, to all of that, of what I think about this and then get into your questions. I mean, substance abuse is a real serious problem. I mean, I've, I've not been super close to it in my life. I've had, you know, kind of some family members, uh, I've had people kind of friends that, that have dealt with it. And I never kind of realized personally, I don't have an addictive personality. I don't even drink coffee. Don't smoke. I just, it's not something, but I've been around, you know, a lot of people that do, and you see how it affects people. Um, I'd really believe it's a disease. If I watch that show intervention and, and the crazy stuff that can kind of go on. So, you know, if someone has anyone we're talking about, it doesn't matter if you're a high profile coach or a player or whoever, if they have some sort of substance abuse problem, I mean, it's a serious issue in my opinion, and, and you need to get help. Um, there was a lot of rumblings about that, that that's, that's the problem that Steve Sarkeesian actually had. There was a great story in the LA Times they worked on for a long time documenting, uh, some of the, the drinking, the, you know, alleged drinking problems that Steve Sarkeesian had at the University of Washington. Um, this all, st- I think they started working on this when the salute to Troy incident happened. And to me, Salute to Troy is really the key to the, to everything that's going on here. That no matter what we heard, no matter what stories we had heard before, you didn't have proof. You didn't have substantial evidence of, Hey, this is a real deal. Salute to Troy comes out. And to be honest, USC kind of treated it like it was a one time occurrence. The issue with that being, if it wasn't a one time occurrence, then you, you're doing Steve Sarkeesian a disservice. You're doing the player, everyone a disservice. And it seems to me that that's really what happened. They treated it that way. Um, but then you keep hearing these rumblings. You keep hearing stuff even after salute to Troy about alleged, uh, drinking or uh, substance incidences with Steve Sarkeesian after salute to Troy. And to me, that's the key because that salute to Troy, Steve Sarkeesian promised, you know, he wasn't going to drink anymore that he, you know, that they had alcohol in the locker room, that they would enjoy that sometimes, but that was going away, that this wasn't going to happen anymore. He wasn't going to be drinking. And, was going to get treatment. Didn't admit he had a drinking problem, but there was some sort of treatment plan in place with Pat Hayden, who is the athletic director. I'm not sure that's who you want to, to, to be running your treatment or what. I mean, but that's, that's something else. So all that kind of going on, the, the sense I got was that it was a, they were treat, you say USC was treating it as a one-time incident. 
all the other things we are hearing behind the scenes that we really can't report on that it was not a one-time incident. Well, now you have another incident coming in and that leaves, you know, it kind of proves what all the other stuff people have been saying. Every source I've talked to that's not, not going on the record is that, yeah, this is not a surprise. This is a, this has been an ongoing problem. So if I'm to, to believe all of that, then Steve Sarkeesian does have a, there's a substance abuse problem there. He needs to get help. He needs to get treatment and coaching and football should be the least of his worries. Uh, I think it could look bad eventually for USC and the athletic department because if they knew about this and they decided to have Steve Sarkeesian do up downs, um, instead of going to treatment, uh, that's not, that's not acceptable. And there, there's a, if that's true, there's an enabling factor around Steve Sarkeesian and around what's going on in the athletic administration. So there's, I think there's a whole lot more to come from that. And you hope that people were making the right decisions and doing the right thing. But from, from looking at it and, and knowing everything we know, it just doesn't seem like that was the case. So anyway, so what's going to happen now going forward? Well, Steve Sarkeesian, you know, given an indefinite leave of absence, according to Pat Hayden, I've got so many questions on Twitter about is he, is Sark going to be back? And I talked to a lot of different people. I haven't talked to anybody that thought that Steve Sarkeesian was going to be back coaching this football team, uh, including myself, my gut feeling, I'm trying to figure out a scenario where this would work. I mean, I think the only thing I, I just can't, I can't find one. And I don't think anyone's going to believe that salute to Troy. And then uh, the alleged incident for Sunday morning uh, are one-off things. You know, I think after salute to Troy, I felt, and I, I think I said this on the podcast, he has to keep his nose completely clean. no, alcohol, drug, no kind of use going forward because of that point. If people are, you know, if, if you want to trust him again, and I'm not saying that, you know, if he has a real substance abuse problem, it's really not just about him too. It's about everything around him and you have to get some sort of help. Um, and he didn't, and he, you know, he didn't get obviously, or if he got some kind of help, it didn't work. I, the people that I've talked to, if you have a serious problem like this, trying to do outpatient, uh, help counseling or going to see a, a, you know, a counselor once a week is not going to cut it. This is really about you have to be in to a program, like a 90 day program and then a sober living situation after that. And, you know, that's, that's not what happened in the beginning of the season. USC kind of led us to believe that this wasn't a real, there wasn't a huge problem here. Now we're, t- I'm tending to believe that it really was. So. I, it's hard for me to picture after both of these incidents is that close together and all the other kind of rumblings. And I think a lot more stuff is going to come out. You're going to hear a lot of people kind of talking, uh, former players, former whatever. Um, I, I have a hard time picturing that there's any way that Steve Sarkeesian was going to be coming back as the head coach of USC. So where does it leave USC now? Well, Clay Helton's the interim head coach again. He's done this before. Uh, he did it a couple of years ago when USC went to Las Vegas Bowl and played uh, Fresno State after Ed Orgeron was the interim head coach for eight games. So more interim head coaches for USC during a season. Um, I mean, I don't know if they're going to set some sort of record for amount of games being coached by an interim head coach, but they're certainly going to be up there for sure. So it's a it's kind of a crazy, not kind of a crazy, an absolutely crazy situation around USC. USC players, coaches, fans. They're used to this, unfortunately. They've seen this before in many different ways. I mean, you know, from, you know, the, the Lane Kiffin being fired on the tarmac to Josh Shaw. And like we saw the salute to Troy. There's so many crazy kind of scandal things going on. Um, and most of them don't have anything to do with football. They're just kind of off the field stuff. So it's, uh, it's an unfortunate situation. I do think. And that no one is the, the, the big thing here is no one's talking about pretty big football news like Max Turek, uh, ter- tearing a le- knee ligament and being out for the year. Um, USC announced that and that just kind of brushed over like, the, you know, because the head coach is not there. Um, and of course the biggest game on the schedule, USC traveling to Notre Dame this weekend is happening on Saturday and really no one's talking about that either. Um, so the players have a big challenge that. Everywhere they go, all people are going to ta- ask them about is Steve Sarkeesian, and they got to get ready 
for Notre Dame. And we talked to several sources on the team, and people are pretty optimistic still. They they like Clay Helton. Um, I think they're happy that he's getting a chance. So it'll be interesting to see how they respond. I I think this could go a number of different ways. Uh, I mean, some of the sources I talk to feel like, hey, they're just going to go out there and win. They're going to focus on football and go and beat Notre Dame. And I could completely see that happening. I would not be shocked at all. I don't think anything would shock me really in this game. Um, I could also see them going and laying a, a huge egg and getting blown out by the Fighting Irish. And you, I mean, it's hard to blame anything with, with the stuff that's happened this week before the game, following the loss to, to Washington, the emotional highs and lows, losing to Stanford, beating the crap out of Arizona State, losing at home inexplicably to, to, to Washington. Head coach going on a leave of absence. Oh, fly to Chicago, you know, fly to South Bend, Indiana, and go take on Notre Dame. So I could see that happening. Um, if it's a close game, I don't like USC's chances. I think USC's probably got to get out early and uh, and do some good things and win. Um, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see how this team rallies. It's, you're talking about a bunch of 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. Um it's it's hard to picture how they're going to react to this. And uh, I know a lot of people think they're going to react well. Some people think they won't. You know, we'll have to wait and see. One of the other uh, topics that comes up quite a bit is recruiting. I've done a bunch of radio interviews, people asking about recruiting. And I wouldn't worry about recruiting. Um, you know, people, oh, this kid's not taking a visit. or this. The recruiting's mostly going to be impacted with the, the out-of-state, highly-ranked guys. So you saw the same thing happen with Lane Kiffin uh, when they had the number one-ranked recruiting class, number one in the country, then they fall flat on their face and go seven and six. And a lot of those out of state guys end up decommitting. Yeah. If you're, if you, and they focused on out of state guys that year. And so you lost a bunch. Um, that's not always the focus of USC football. I think locally you'll, you'll keep a bunch of the guys once they figure out what's going on with the coaching situation. Whoever ends up being hired, if, you know, by January, you should know whoever it's going to be. You know, if it's Sarkeesian again for some, you know, unexplainable reason, if it's Clay Helton, they keep him on. If it's someone else on the staff, it's if it's someone outside the program they hire, um, then you'll know at that point. And then what basically their job will be, keep the guys committed that you got as long as they want them because the head coach might come in and say, I don't want that guy. That could, that could happen too. And then filling it out. And and the other thing to keep in mind is USC only has 20 spots in this recruiting class because five blue shirts were brought in and are currently on the team. So instead of having 25 guys to sign in February, there's uh, 20. Um, now there's some early enrollees that have already signed financial aid paperwork, but those guys are not, uh, those prospects are not bound to come to USC. You think they will. One guy already decommitted from that group. It's Dalen Hayes, but he fits that category of he's an out of state guy. He's actually had a shoulder injury, hasn't played a whole lot of high school football, to be honest. So there were some kind of questions there with him. I love, I mean, I think he's a great player. He's a great kid. Um, but he's back. You know, he was at, he was at Santa Bonaventure. He's back in Michigan now. And completely understandable. There's also, I talked about this on the peristyle, um, potential, I don't want to word, use the word sanctions, but there could be a potential um, issue for USC with the NCAA because what USC did was announce the signing of a player who isn't going to sign. Or he, maybe he ends up signing, who knows, like that USC could get a different coach or Sark could come back, whatever, he could end up signing, but he's opened up his recruitment. But because USC announced that he was going, that he signed financial aid paperwork, Normally, you're not allowed to talk about prospects. USC did. They, they announced it. Well, that would be an NCAA violation. USC would have to call the NCAA and said, Hey, we, we announced that this, this prospect was, would sign with USC, which he did. But then, you know, he ended up deciding to sign somewhere else. So if he enrolls somewhere else in January, that's something USC will have to report. From everything I'm told, it's not a big deal. Um, you don't need to worry. Like it's not usually some big kind of, uh, sanctions or anything that would come with that. Probably nothing. The, the issue is LSU had that happen last year and had some significant sanctions. Uh, the issue with that is, though, it's an SEC rule that they added on. I think something happened with Auburn. Um, so it was a rule in the SEC they added. There's no such rule in the Pac-12. So I don't think there's a big kind of uh, issue there with violation if Hayes ends up enrolling somewhere else. But I just wanted to let you guys be aware of that. All right. Well, that's uh, kind of my recap of everything that's been going on and now i want to jump into some of these questions and we have a bunch uh, as you can tell um so let me i'll just jump into a voicemail question for you right away hello ryan coach Hyde, dan 
This is Ed Duncan up in the high desert. Uh, sorry to hear about the incident today. It seems to never end. Um, I'm so concerned about what's happening to our university, and I know it's hundreds of thousands of USC fans around the world that are equally concerned. But I would just like to make this comment. USC has went into a tailspin. It's been one negative episode after another. Too many, too numerous for me to uh, uh, say in this short time that I have. But outside of USC going out, getting a manager of stupid superstar status, a head coach of superstar status, to come in here and write this program, we're going to continue, in my opinion, to go into a tailspin. It's, it's gone too far now for just band-aids. We really need to do the right thing. We need to do it in a hurry. Anyway, that's my take. I wish the best for my men of Troy next week. Uh, fight on, Trojans. Don't give up. Fight on. Cool voicemail there. Thanks. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you as far as band-aids on the program. And I think that both hires, Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian, se- seemed a lot like band-aids as opposed to trying something new and going a different direction. It was trying to recreate the Pete Carroll magic and, you know, doing it once is one thing. I think Lane Kiffin, a lot of people questioned that. I questioned that hire, didn't think it was the right thing. And, you know, you give them a shot and see if the administration knew what they were talking about. They did not. It didn't work out very well. Same thing though with Steve Sarkeesian. It's like, it's, it's kind of like fool me once and you fool you twice. That's blame on you. Like shame on you. Like they, they should have known at that point. Too many people were saying it was Lane Kiffin 2.0. And the administration said, no, that's not the case. And it looked exactly like that. So a lot, I mean, it falls on the administration to me making good decisions. And I think Pat Hayden is, you know, one of the smartest guys I've ever met. Uh, he's really cool to talk to, but I mean, you could argue the big time decisions he gets paid to make. And I tweeted about this yesterday. The athletic director at USC gets paid a lot of money to make very important and difficult decisions. And you could argue that many, many of the decisions that Pat Hayden has made from how they fought or viewed the NCAA sanctions to when they fired Lane Kiffin to hiring Steve Sarkeesian to not punishing him after salute to Troy. A lot of these big, big, you know, basketball, you know, hiring Andy and Edfield as basketball, uh, as a basketball coach. You could argue that all of those were terrible, terrible decisions. Like if you did the opposite of every one of those decisions, where would the USC athletic department be right now? Probably in a way better spot than they are now. So I agree. Um, I'm not going to get into all, well, there's other questions about coaching and all that kind of stuff, but I agree. You don't need a bandaid at this point. Um, USC needs to go really. I feel like in a completely different direction and uh, you know, it, unfortunately it's going to affect a lot of people. It's going to affect a lot of families. Like I said, I don't see Steve Sarkeesian coming back. My guess would be, probably assistant coaches as well. And you're talking about all of the, the coaches, all of their wives, all of their kids, the people around them, the people that work in the office. I mean, there could be a complete house cleaning going on. And, you know, honestly, with the athletic department too, it, it's, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think those guys are going to be spared either. I mean, there could really be a major house cleaning going on when it comes to this. And, it's going to affect a lot, a lot of people. You feel bad for them. You feel bad for the players and the kids. And there's so many people involved. But after the decisions that have been made and what's been going on, it's hard to picture that things are just going to go on kind of status quo. And, well, you know, figure out what's going on. Bring Steve Sarkeesian back or keep Clay Helton or go out and hire someone new. I, I just, My guess would be USC is going to have to hire a new head coach and my guess would be that Pat Hayden's not going to be able to guide to make that decision. Um, and it's, you know, it's hard. You, you get close to a lot of these people and I like them and they're, they're nice. And, but there's just been some really, really questionable decisions and smart guys make, I mean, smart guys make bad decisions and it's not, you know, everyone, we all make bad decisions, but it's not just because you're smart. doesn't mean that you can, everything you do is always great. And I think sometimes, and I think this happened with Lane Kiffin a lot. Sometimes you make a decision that's the incorrect one. And you end up making decisions after that to kind of prove that your first decision was right. And 
I think that could have been happening here with Steve Sarkeesian and the athletic administration. And you get kind of get down a rabbit hole. Honestly, I mean, we said this from the beginning, and Dan Weber has been very uh, adamant about this. I, I And the people asking, should they hire Ed Orgeron right now? I do not think so. Uh, but I at the time, it was perfect to keep Ed Orgeron there because he's already dealt with the sanctions. The players were around him. Even as a one-year or a two-year kind of deal, to let him kind of bring some stability to the program, I think he would have done that. And I think if you would have kept Ed Orgeron as opposed to going out and hiring Steve Sarkeesian, that you probably would be, not probably, I mean, I can I almost guarantee you this program would be in a much better position than it is right now. I'm not convinced that Ed Orgeron was the right decision long-term, but I do feel like that was one of those bad decisions. And I think other bad decisions kind of stemmed from that. Um, so kind of a long answer to that one, Ed, but there you go. All right, so let's get to some of these other ones people wrote in. This Ryan, as I sit here on my desk in Fullerton reading the board, Smoking a Olivia Melanel, I don't know, M-E-L-A-N-I-O cigar. I don't, I'm not familiar with cigars, but that's some sort of cigar. And watching the sun go down, I speak for many people when I say thank you for all you do. We all feel connected because you and your crew bust your butts. Keep up the great work, uh, Sean Nelson. Thank you, Sean, for that. We got actually a lot of tweets thanking us, uh, USC, UCLA fans, Notre Dame fans, thanking for the coverage. And we're, you know, we're trying to give you the best USC coverage possible. Um, without uh, sensationalizing anything. We're just trying to give you the facts, what we know, stuff we hear, but I'm not trying to make anything up or you know, make it any crazy. But people asking their opinions, I'm just trying to give it to them. But we've got a lot of thank you, so we must be doing something right. So thank you so much for that. This next one is the state of USC football is at a very dangerous crossroad. The Trojan family needs to rally behind Coach Helton and support these kids through these tough times. Let's rally and show the college football landscape what USC football is all about one game at a time, playing for team, family, and legacy. Uh, LG. Sounds like you're a former coach there, LG. Some coach speaking now. But I agree. I mean, it's up to the fans to do what they want. You know, they, I mean, we kind of report on what's going on, and fans are going to have different reactions. I've had wide ranges of reactions where people are just throwing everybody under the bus, saying Cody Kessler's terrible. And and other ones are, are, are like you, LG, and they're like, hey, support the team. Um, I do feel that USC is very capable of going in and beating Notre Dame on the road, despite all this stuff that's been going on. Um, and Clay Helton's a popular guy. He's popular, uh, with the team. I think he'll do a good job, uh, filling in at this point for however long he has to do that. Uh, it's a lot to ask for a team that's just had a whole bunch of games two years ago with an interim head coach to kind of do it again. And that's really what they're, they're asked to be doing so, but USC went on a great run with Ed Orgeron, uh, when he was the interim head coach and they have an opportunity to do the same sort of thing. And it's a, not an easy schedule when you're talking about going to Notre Dame, playing Utah at home and playing Cal, uh, three really good teams that don't have a lot of losses between them. So, uh, tall task. We'll see what happens there. Let's go Don and Fresno. Uh, now that Sark has been placed on indefinite leave of absence and possibly will not return as head coach for the Trojans, I have one suggestion for the podcast. For the remainder of the USC season, the USC players and coaches will need the support of the USC family no matter what, no matter how successful they are. Uh, they will need supporters and fans who will stick with them no matter how things go. So maybe it's time for Harvey Hyde to take a leave of absence too. The players and coaches don't need someone who will be critical of every move they make. Love the podcast, but wary of the same Harvey Hyde rants that we hear over and over again. Thanks, Don from Fresno. Um, well, first of all, Harvey Hyde's a, a football analyst. I'm an analyst. I'm a reporter. We're, we're here to talk about what's going on with the team. We're not here to be cheerleaders for the team. We're here to tell you the way it is, the way we see it. If we see, you know, we're, we're not usually calling out individual players and saying that guy sucked or that guy sucked. Mostly you, if it's a, if it's a scheme thing, that's really where. You can, you're, you can be critical of guys that make millions of dollars a year. The coaches, you know, hundreds of thousands for the assistant coaches. Yeah. I mean, I think you can be critical of those. It's not something, they're not uh, above reproach when, you know, when it's come to something like this. Now, of course, with Sark, I mean, th there's a whole personal issues and things going on there and you don't want to be, you know, critical of that. Um, it's tough, you know, but what's going on with this team? You know, I agree with you. I think fans should go out and support them, but I don't think that the media should stop discussing what happens in games. I mean, it's still, that's what we do. So, and you know, Harvey Hyde's no, he's not 
mean he's not uh unfair about what's going on I, I know some people aren't big fans of of harvey hyde and a lot of people to be honest and if you listen to our show from sunday people are like yeah you know i've always was i didn't know why harvey hyde was like pounding on this team needing to be tough and all that but now i see it so i think he's actually won more people over uh after this loss than he's lost i know obviously don you don't feel uh the same way about him but we're all here to you know give you insight of what's going on with the team. We go watch practice. We watch the games. We talk to players. We talk to coaches. And then we try to put it all together in our heads and, and to explain what it means to us because we're around it all the time. And, you know, obviously we're not always right. We're just trying to do our best and give your opinion. Harvey Hyde has a separate opinion. He's been a head coach. He's done this before. So I think he comes from a unique perspective. I've never been a head coach of a major college football team. I've been around him a lot. So I think he brings something unique to the table. And that's, that's kind of why people listen to him. All right, uh, let's go to, wow. Unexpected turn of events this Sunday. First and foremost, I feel really sorry for these kids. Uh, they don't deserve this. I hope they can come together and just win for themselves. They did it before with their beloved, when their beloved coach was dropped, uh, for Sark. Uh, so he had a question. Why didn't Pat Hayden come out and say, we will support Steve Sarkeesian with his recovery, but he is not allowed to coach USC football ever again. A real leader makes tough decisions, even if it might ultimately cost him his job. Pat Hayden has left the Trojan family down again for at least a third major time and has to go. I remember Pat saying he wanted to do things the quote-unquote right way, and and it's, quote, all about the student-athlete and their experience. Uh, by saying their coach is on an indefinite leave is alluding to the chance he might come back. First, that is extremely unfair to these kids and shouldn't even be a possibility for him to return. Thanks again for the high probability. Uh, quality program guys, Steven San Diego. And a couple points there. Yeah, I, I really think, I believe in 100% that Pat Hayden found out about this late during practice and had to come up with something. And I mean, indefinitely is, I think it was a good, I think it's a good place to start. I don't think he needed to make the you're fired kind of decision right there at the, at the heat of the moment. He needed to do something. A definitely leave of absence. I have no issues uh, with that. Naming Clay Helton, no issues there. Um, as far as what's going on forward, I do think this can't sit around a long time. We have practice again on Tuesday. Will we get some kind of announcement then? I'm just not sure. They might want to focus on the thing. But I think it's better to get this done. He has a couple of days to kind of make the decision. Uh, if they come out and say, Steve Sarkeesian, you know, there's a problem. We didn't realize he's going to the rehab. He's going to be gone for 90 days. He's going to do some uh, program after that. We feel it's the best interest. We talked to Steve about it, that uh, we part ways, and this team's going to go forward in a new direction. Clay Helton's going to take over for the rest of the year, and then after the, the season's over, we'll we'll start our coaching search and, and try to bring in the best guy uh, for the program. I think they should come out and say something like that. If they take a long time, then yeah, I, I agree with you, but I don't think he needed to make that decision within the hour and a half or whatever when he found out about it and kind of had to address the media. As far as Pat Hayden and his, you know, I kind of mentioned this already. Um, you know, he's got to make the tough decisions, and a lot of this, to me, a lot of this is on his doorstep. There was a lot of just poor decisions, and it looks like it's coming back to to what he made. So my guess would be he is not the guy that's going to end up making the decision to hire the next coach at USC. But that's going to come from above him. It might be him talking to Max Nikias, the president, and deciding, hey, we're going to go in a different direction. You know, I'm I'm going to take a step down. I'm going to go over here. I USC needed Pat Hayden to try to get out of the sanctions. And I I don't I think he did some good things for sure. And a lot of people are very critical of him. The problem is with the big decisions, the major program stuff, I I just disagreed with a lot of them. And it wasn't like hindsight later on disagree it was like very from the beginning hey usc you should be fighting these sanctions really Todd McNair got screwed usc got screwed you can fight this you can fight this and they never did they never wanted to they made a decision not to and they kept fighting it. and now the worse it looks as the todd McNair stuff goes over it just looks worse and worse for usc and that initial decision not to fight looks bad uh the same kind of thing with you know not keeping orgeron on or not disciplining steve sarkeesian it's just Things keep happening that like, man, that decision you made six months ago or a year ago, it looks even worse now. So yeah, uh, a lot of it's going to be on him. I have a hard time picturing him continuing on as the USC athletic director as much as it pains me 
to say that because I do like Pat Hayden. Um, so we'll see from there. All right, Earl in West LA. Oh, we're going, we're rolling along here with the uh, solo podcast. Uh, no one has mentioned this during the wild three days at USC, but I saw Coach Sarkeesian crack under the pressure during the Washington game. It was in the first half, I believe. We had just committed a personal foul on a punt. It was one of our freshmen. He's actually talking about Isaiah Langley. Uh, and Sarkeesian forgot uh, that it was a coaching opportunity. Instead, wildly berated the player on the sideline, yelling and screaming. Excuse me about that. And going on and on. Uh, forgetting that a good leader criticizes in private and praises in public. That, to me, was a sure sign of pressure that he must be feeling to forget to do his job right there during a game. Uh, but the way it occurred to me, uh, this would be the fourth time in a row a different coach for USC has coached against Notre Dame. I'm guessing that has never happened before. That is very interesting. Finally, it's obvious that Sarkeesian should have put on leave of absence after the, the uh, salute to Troy fiasco. If this happened in a business world with a high-ranking executive behaved this way, he would have been put on leave and required to take treatment or resign. Obviously, a poor decision by Pat Hayden, but in his defense, how many people had to make that kind of decision on the eve of a season opener? Earl in West L.A. Uh, good points on that. The last part, it was basically the eve of season opener. It was a tough decision. I feel that he made the wrong decision, and I, I think you agree. Um, but, it, you know, given credit, it is a very, that was not going to be an easy decision to make. But it was the right decision. And you're looking back, and now it's proven that it really should have been the right decision. Um, as far as the berating the player, I mean, we're in such a PC world now. Coaches are allowed to yell at players. They're just allowed to do that. You can't – It's. I don't get – I'm not going to get on Steve Sarkeesian for berating a player after a play. Um, it happens. There was a video it was on – You know, we, we tweeted it out and stuff too of him going after Isaiah Langley when he had that uh, – but I think – I think the point of he was feeling the pressure and they didn't look like a well-coached team is completely right. I mean, there was a lot of pressure to beat Chris Peterson and to beat your old team because he knew all those players. He knew everything that was going on with that team. He recruited all those guys or the majority of them. And Chris Peterson, a lot of people felt, was an upgrade to Steve Sarkeesian. So I think there was a lot of pressure on Steve Sarkeesian to outperform. And sometimes when there's a lot of pressure, uh, you underperform. And that's what happened. They completely underperformed. They did not look ready at all. Uh, you know, practice seemed fine leading up to, to the, you know, didn't seem like anything was crazy. But, man, when you get into the game, nothing looked right. Nothing looked like it was working. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, you, you could say that coaching staff choked on that. I mean, just whatever happened, I mean, it was not – you had one team that should have had major advantages over the other team, being at home, knowing the personnel for your opponent. Um, having way better personnel than your opponent, coming off a huge emotional win over Arizona State. There was a lot of advantages for USC in this game, and uh, they really didn't take advantage of any of them. So I think that's a real, a real issue. And you know, I, I yeah. So all right, let's uh, play a voicemail question for you. Here you go. Um, this is for just the general podcast. Um. As a USC fan, I'm, I'm kind of tired of all this craziness around the program. USC is a top five program, and there's maybe five to ten coaches in the whole of football, college football, who deserve it. Um, Mark D'Antonio, Gary Patterson, Urban Meyer, Jim Harbaugh, that is it. That's the list. And... It's time to stop hiring people you know and hire people who can win with anybody, win with less, like, and that's it. It's time to hire people who deserve the job. I feel horrible for Steve Sarkeesian, but it's time time to clean, clean up, clean up, just time to hire people who deserve it. Gary Patterson wins at TCU. Mark D'Antonio wins at Michigan State. Urban Meyer won at Utah before Utah was big, famous, 10 years ago with Alex, Alex Smith. It's time to hire somebody who doesn't need 10 five-stars to beat an unranked team. Thank you, and goodbye. 
Yeah, it's a, that's a great call, and I appreciate that. Um, some really good stuff. I actually tweeted out uh, one of the lines that uh, he used. He didn't leave his name. Uh, but one of the lines that he had used about, you, you know, it's time. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll read it to you. It's kind of interesting. But it's time to hire someone who doesn't need 10 five-stars to beat an unranked team. Exactly. And USC always seems to have more talent. And of Steve Sarkeesian's six losses, He's 12 and six at USC. Of his six losses, four of those USC were double digit favorites in. Talent is not an issue. The people that worry about recruiting, don't worry about recruiting. The USC will bring in plenty of talent. They're always going to bring in guys. It's not, you know, it's just, it, I wouldn't worry about that. But do you need to be way, way more talented to beat teams? No. I mean, Washington was not way more talented and they won. And you want to be able to get someone that can, actually win with less talent you want them that at usc you'll have more talent but if you can win with less um yeah then that, that's something you want to do he also said stop hiring people you know and i agree 100 percent. i'm not going to go into well, well probably not a lot about who usc should hire and all that kind of stuff what's going on now but there's there was a 10-page thread about steve sarkeesian uh, about the next head coach at USC after the Washington game. It's probably more pages than that now. There were three national columnists that night, Thursday night, that had written columns about USC was hired the wrong guy in Sark, and they need to go in another direction. This was all kind of out there before Sunday's incident. Now it's you know, everyone. I mean, everyone was talking about who's going to be the next head coach. Um, and now, you know, it's uh, it's even more so now, obviously, with the Sunday incident. But the stop hiring people you know thing, 100% agree. And I think that their USC was trying to recreate Pete Carroll over and over again, and it's just not working. And my kind of uh, thoughts going into this was, you know, when people were talking in that thread, I was like, look, the focus for USC it would be do not hire anyone that was under the Pete Carroll tree. People are suggesting all these guys like Chris Richard and Ken Norton Jr. and Joe Barry, like, Guys that have never been a college head coach before, but they just like them for some reason. And they want, they're looking for, uh, off the, quote unquote, off the beaten path guys. Well, that's all USC's been hiring is off the beaten path guys. Pete Carroll was off the beaten path. He was off the beaten path. It worked out great. He was, a, you know, one of the greatest coaches ever, but he was a twice fired NFL head coach who was a rah rah guy that you thought could work in college. And it obviously it worked out great, but he was never a college head coach. You didn't know what kind of success he was going to have. Not that you ever know, but that's a risk where you just don't know. Like Paul Hackett before him was an offensive coordinator in the NFL. That was a disaster. There was plenty of times where, and then, you know, Lane Kiffin, who was, had a couple of different, you know, was fired from the Raiders in one year at Tennessee. Like that's the pedigree you're bringing to USC besides the fact, oh yeah, you were a graduate assistant at USC and you were brought up there. Lane Kiffin, same thing. I mean, not Lane Kiffin. Steve Sarkeesian, same thing. He was a graduate assistant at USC. He got his start there. It's like, stop getting like these homegrown Pete Carroll disciples and get someone that's proven. Uh, Mark D'Antonio. I mean, if you want to go hire uh, Kyle Whittingham, someone that's been in college, that's been coaching a long time. I'm not saying you can get all these guys, but that's who you should focus on. That's, in my opinion, you focus on someone that's currently or was recently a college head coach. You want to bring in Chip Kelly? Probably probably not going to work out i think it'd be an awesome hire he's one it would kind of stink for me personally because he closes out the media off for everything but you want to talk about he's proven in college to win saying, oh he never won a national championship he's top five going to bcs bowl games and didn't have the same kind of talent at oregon that he would get at usc what, what would that system do and it's not a gimmicky offense but just about everybody runs that offense now so it was gimmicky when he first started doing it and was beating people that way. But now just about everybody runs something like that. So I wouldn't say that as well. And, you know, there's alumni that don't want to see the offense change, but it's already changed. I think you just have to focus on someone that's winning. I think the less risky prospect is to get someone, you want to hire someone that's currently a great college head coach that would come to USC. Um, people talk about guys that have only been in a job one year. They've never been a college head coach. That's just such a risk for me. That's off the beaten path. And they've always done off the beaten path hires. Go on the path. <laughs> like, forget off the path. Get on the path. Hire someone that's been a college head coach for a long time. Hey, does Kyle Willingham want to come to L.A.? No, probably not. 
If he doesn't, I don't know. We'll see. Mark D'Antonio, like, what does he want to come over? Uh, Chip Kelly blows it out at, at Philadelphia and wants to come in. Whatever it is, this guy's been a college head coach. He's done it. He's known it. And he's getting an upgrade. He's getting to go to USC. I think, you know, Steve Sarkeesian had five years at Washington, but that was it, you know? I mean, there were, and it wasn't some level of success. He had a success. He, he had a level of success. He took a terrible, terrible team and made it pretty good. You want someone that's coached in college that's had a really good team, that's had high levels of success. Um, it doesn't mean you have to win a national championship, but you've been able to win and go to big, big bowl games and have a winning record and things like that. You know, so you've won 10 games before. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my opinion on that, but great, great, uh, great call in there. I appreciate you, uh, sending that in. I agree, uh, completely. Let's go to Justin in the OC. He says, in the wake of everything that just happened on Sunday, I have two questions. What's your opinion on how this transition is being handled? Uh, well, like I said, so far, uh, I think they've done what they had to do. I would like to see something quickly happen soon. You know, something happens soon. Something happened quickly. But I think at, under the circumstances that happened that morning, uh, I think they did a good job Sunday. Like, hey, the, you know, suspended indefinitely, um, or, you know, uh, indefinite leave of absence, not suspended, indefinite leave of absence. And here's the interim head coach. I think that was good. I don't think they handled it good from August and all the other stuff like I talked about. But for for yesterday, the yes, if this goes on for weeks and they don't make any kind of announcement, I think that's bad as well. He says also, Pat Hayden has, pro- has proven that he is not has Pat Hayden proven that he's not the man for the job. He didn't take Coach O seriously as a candidate. Um, and he said, as far as I can tell, simply because he has a heavy Cajun accent, which seems like exactly the type of racism that would have no problem firing someone uh, below him. Now, I don't think he wasn't hired because he had a Cajun accent, um, but I felt that they wanted a more refined head coach. Uh, they wanted someone else, and I think that was the wrong decision, too. Um, a lot of people don't like Coach O, and they said, oh, well, he lost to Notre Dame and he lost to UCLA. I'm just talking about there was a very unstable time for USC, stability of the program-wise. He would have been good, transition, uh, let him be the head coach for a year or two and have a coaching search, and you want to bring someone in and keep him on as assistant, whatever it is, something like that, could have worked out. Give him a chance to build his resume, too. He wasn't able to get a head coaching job. Um, I think it would have been nice. Not that's, that's, that's not a reason to hire someone, but I think it just would have worked out pretty well if they would have allowed him to be the head coach for like a year or two, putting that in the contract. And if he goes on and wins a championship or something, yeah, you keep him. And if not, they're able to move on, and I think everyone's happy from that. And the way it happened... The players were unhappy. Orgeron was unhappy. The fans were unhappy. Basically, you made a decision that made everyone unhappy, and then it ended up being the wrong one, and you made your program worse to begin, you know, to, to boot. All right, so let's continue on. Um, then he insists he vetted Sark seriously, and anyone who doubts that will be proven wrong. He allows millions of dollars to be wasted getting rid of excellent coaches to bring in mediocre ones. Now there's basically a smear campaign going on to dis- discredit Sark what seems like an actually surprising little amount of drinking, considering the amount of people that are sharing in the alcohol. And a year and a half later, it is even more obvious to the fact that Sark is not the guy for the job uh, than he was at the time. It's also fairly obvious that Hayden did not do his due diligence when hiring Sark, as he claimed, and that these millions were wasted on uh, and actually made the program worse for it. Now, instead of apologizing the fan base for being a racist and letting that interfere with his job performance and finally telling the truth for once, he hides behind alcohol as an excuse to get rid of a coach that simply isn't rising to the challenge. I could go on about how I think he has ambitions to end his career in the, at the NCAA and therefore let them steamroll USC, but I don't think I need to go into that to prove my point as to what an incompetent AD he is. Curious on your thoughts. Best Justin from the OC. Wow. Okay. No, I disagree with most of everything you said. I don't think he's a racist. Um, I, you know, I don't think he would want to go to the NCAA and steamroll USC. I think he's made a lot of bad decisions, but I don't think, I think he made decisions that he felt was best for the university. And I think he was wrong on a lot of them. I mean, I, I think it's as simple as that. And I don't think they're hiding behind uh, alcohol that there's two instances. If you believe that Steve Sarkeesian had two substance incidents while on the job at USC, and I, I just don't know what to tell you. That's not what where all the evidence points. That's not what we've been hearing. It really seems like this is a real 
major situation. Uh, Pat Hayden's not hiding behind this because he's upset with what's going on on the field. I mean, this is something you can't ignore what's going on here. Like you would be part of the problem. You would be enabling him if you felt like the only reason he's suspended is because, uh, you know, that they're, they're losing on the field. If this, if they were five and zero, and this, uh, you know, a substance instance happened, he should have been suspended. You know, he should have been put on leave of absence indefinitely. So that's not about the record at this point. Uh, that's really about what's going on with this program. You have to get, he need if this is really what it is, which I, you know, I believe there's a, an honest substance abuse issue going on here. He needs to get help. He needs to get treatment. He needs to have been removed. He should have been removed in, in August to try to get some help. And, and, you know, I just think in August, you could possibly come back. Now, I don't think you can come back. So that's just my opinion there. But I, 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 there's a lot of criticism of Pat Hayden. And I, you know, I've been critical of some of the stuff he's done too, but some of it's so way over the top that I just don't get. Um, Marcel and Diamond Bar, I'm in the minority. I was one of the few supporters who, of Coach Lane Kiffin. You were in the minority. I strongly believe that no coach in America, including Jim Harbaugh, could have guided the Trojans through the unprecedented sanctions levied by the NCAA. Now that we are at a, another crossroads with Sarkeesian, it appears the man is sick or has an alcohol-related problem. I'd ask the Trojan family to be patient and not rush to judgment. We need stability at the helm, Marcel. Yeah, no, I think the, the fan base is going to have to be patient. Um, uh, I don't know about being at a – I mean, I, I guess you could say it's at a crossroads, but I just don't see a way for Steve Sarkeesian to come back just because of salute to Troy, because you made your apology, because you said you weren't going to drink anymore. And you're drinking again. Now, I think there could be a real, you know, obviously, like I said, there's a real issue there. That's a human thing. That's not a football thing. But you have to get the human part of this right. You have to think about his family, uh, everyone around him, and get better, which means not being part of a high-profile, high-stress job right now. And that's what he was been doing. And the pressure was high. There was a lot of pressure on him. And they were losing. And that's not, that doesn't help. And a lot of people call for his head. And I don't think that helps your situation quite at all for anyone that's been around someone that, you know, had substance abuse problems. So he has to get ready. He has to get right. Um, and you know, I think that, you know, it's, it's a different thing when you talk about Lane Kiffin. This is a real, there's more of a human problem here. And Steve Syracuse has to get it right. But I think the right thing for USC too is probably to kind of move on. Um, and, you know, they'll, they'll go to a different direction. We'll know more soon, hopefully, but that's kind of my thoughts on this. We have another from Erlen West LA. It said, Ryan, you said on several occasions that USC offered Coach O a coaching job. Uh, and he said, and you didn't take it. So it's unlikely that they're going to offer it to him again. Okay. That's not what I said, but I'll, I'll go over that. I'm not sure I agree with you, but I'd be very interested to know what your feelings, why you feel that way that he was so, uh, when he was so close, uh, clearly favored by alumni and fans, since he was never offered the head coaching job before, why wouldn't they offer it to him now? Okay. So a lot of Ed Orgeron stuff. Um, I love Ed. He's awesome. And like I said earlier in the show and before he would have been the best choice at the time. He was the interim coach. They made a nice run. Uh, he would have likely ended up, I think it was seven and two, if, you know, win their bowl game, but losses to, um, you know, both rivals, I think that left a bad taste in people's mouth. But under the circumstances that the people rallied and he was able to just do that, I think was great. And I think it would have been a great opportunity for him to kind of continue on, you know, keep the guys on the staff he wanted, bring in, you know, bring in some new guys and, and kind of do it more his way. Um, But that, to me, that ship has sailed. Like that was the opportunity then. It was a horrible divorce. Um, The players were all devastated. Everyone was crying. He was crying. It was Pat Hayden's decision not to keep him on. He wanted to go bring in somebody else. He, they brought in Steve Sarkeesian and felt that, well, Orgeron could work for Sarkeesian, which was never going to happen. I mean, Sarkeesian was a grad assistant when Orgeron was at SC. Uh, he'd already did that once with Lane Kiffin. I don't think he wanted to do something like that again. It was a Basically, that was a fork in the road, and USC chose one direction and left Orgeron on the other. And I don't think you can go back and recreate what that was. That was a special magic that was going on in 2013 with Ed Orgeron and the fact that people um, 
you know, were rallying around him and, and so supportive of him and the players loved him. And it was, it was a feel good thing as, as low as it could get firing your coach on the tarmac. Um, after getting blown out by Arizona state and losing to Washington state at home, Ed Orgeron brought everyone back and made people feel good about USC football again. So that was then. And this is now he's moved on with his family. He's down at LSU. If they, if USC offered him some kind of four year deal to be the head coach, I think he would take it. I mean, I, you know, I, I know I'm pretty good. I haven't talked to him in a little while, but I think he would, but I don't think USC's in the ability, you know, the position to do that. Certainly Pat Hayden wouldn't be able to do that right now. And whoever, you know, if it ends up being somebody else, I just do not see that happening. So, um, yeah, no, they didn't offer them the job then. Maybe your email, there was a typo in your email or something. He did not. I felt that they, they should. And, I, you know, I wasn't hundred percent into it, but, you know, especially looking back on it now, what would have been best for the stability of the program? Um, at least a temporary one or two year deal to try to get out of the sanctions move on with recruiting, move on with the team. Everyone loves him. It just seemed like, yeah, is he, you know, is Ed Orgeron, the guy that you know, had a terrible record at Ole Miss, the one that you would just hire out of the blue? No, but it was kind of like he was the vice president, became president, and did a good job. And you might not have hired him unless you had seen him in action. It's a, it's the backup quarterback that doesn't look that good. He's not doesn't got that strong of an arm. It's Tom Brady, you know? And then he comes in and he wins. And you're like, oh, I don't think I would have, brought him in, but he came in because Drew Bledsoe went down with an injury and now he's winning all his games. I think we're going to keep him. And I think Ed Ardron had kind of a similar opportunity um, to do that. But now I do think that ship has sailed. So uh, sorry about that one, Ed. All right, let's go to Phil Treg. Obviously, the university needs to make certain Sark gets all the help he needs. Uh, I agree with you 100%. Um, but there has to be a change, not a leave of absence. I agree there too. Dalen Hayes already decommitted last night. I kind of mentioned this already about Dalen Hayes. Uh, how many others will decommit or even worst case current members transfer? Pat Hayden needs to get the program stabilized. Names are being dropped. Chip Kelly, he says, please no. Uh, Pat Fitzgerald, Clay Helton, and Coach O. My question is, do you think Coach O burned his bridges when he left? Can you imagine Coach O and T managing the recruiting program? Coach O may even be able to get Hayes back. Pat had fine, uh, had, Better find out who was calling the plays on our last series with UW. If it was Helton, he's definitely not the answer. That was pathetic after we got back into the game by running the football. We had a chance to win the game, and the play calling killed it. Wow, Phil. So, okay, you're all over the place there. Um, everything went under no that uh, we felt that Clay Helton was calling the plays. We don't. I don't have any other reason to believe that he wasn't. Maybe Steve Sarkeesian kind of jumped in. I'm not really sure. Uh, but we, we do think he was kind of calling the plays. Don't worry about the commitments, the decommitments. Dalen Hayes is an out-of-state kid. USC's class will be fine. There's only 20 rides in this one. I mean, don't hire someone because you think they can get Dalen Hayes to switch back his commitment. So, no. We have talked about Ed, Ed Orgeron, the last thing. I'm not sure why you don't like Chip Kelly. Um, but I don't think Ed Orgeron, Orgeron burned a bridge. Uh, there's some USC fans that feel that he did. He quit on the team. And I completely disagree with them. I mean, a lot of people do. A lot of people feel that he quit. That wasn't my really opinion of it. I mean, I felt that he put his heart and soul into that and he was devastated. It was like you, it was like getting left at the altar or something. And I, I think it was best for him and probably best for the team that he move on. I mean, I don't know what would the players would have done or how they would have reacted playing for him, knowing that he was going to be gone. And if it, it could have been worse, you know, players left early to the NFL. We didn't mention this players, you know, um, Dion Bailey, he wouldn't have left if, if Ed Orgeron was back, USC would have been a more talented team had they kept uh, Ed Orgeron. Some of those guys wouldn't have jumped early and, and gone to the NFL. So to me, I don't think he burned a bridge. I do think that ship has sailed and uh, they're, they're likely not to go down there. And, and like my opinion now you do want to, I mean, the likely thing is you want to kind of clean house for the most part and get someone that like the other caller said, that you don't know. Don't hire the guy that's your, your buddy. Like you got to hire somebody else. Like get out of the buddies, get out of the people that you know, bring in someone that you don't, that is a proven winner. That's my, my opinion on that. Uh, we got some more Ed Orgeron stuff. Okay. So many people are, are talking about the next coach of USC. People are saying, Chip Kelly, are we overlooking Ed Orgeron again? Leslie. Yeah. Leslie, you kind of talked about that. 
Um, not overlooking, just, and that, you know, that's just, that ship has sailed, like I said. All right. Um, well, that was all the questions. We had a whole bunch of other questions, to be honest, that were just after the Thursday game. We're not just going to have a chance to get to. We'll probably do some more podcasts. We'll definitely do some more podcasts this week. Trying to talk about what's been going on here. We wanted to kind of focus on the, the most recent news, which, of course, is Sunday, the uh, indefinite leave of absence for Steve Sarkeesian. So that was about an hour just talking straight for now. You should try that sometime. It's not real easy. But hope you guys enjoyed another emergency edition of the Peristyle podcast. And uh, thanks for sending in all the questions. Hopefully I uh, answered them to your satisfaction. Uh, check back this week. We're going to have Dan Weber come on. We'll be out of practice on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday finding out what's going on with this USC football team as they get ready to travel to South Bend, Indiana and take on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. So thanks again for listening to the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.